0: Hello, and welcome to our latest episode of Healthcare Checkup Podcast. My name is Nicole Thorne, and I'm an attorney here at Browse McDowell. In this, in the next session, we will be doing a two-part series titled Physician Emotional Intelligence and Avoiding Hot Water. We will be joined in these two sessions by Jennifer Hill, licensed counselor and physician executive coach. So welcome, Jennifer.
1: Hi, Nicole. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here today and happy to be back.
0: Great. It's uh, good to have you back, and for those of our audience members who didn't hear your background, I think you have a unique perspective, and why don't you just tell us a little bit about sort of where you've been and what you're doing now?
1: Sure. Thanks so much again for having me. So I'm actually a mental health clinician by trade, and I have... um, been working in the mental health space space, either as a clinician or as a consultant for um, almost 20 years now, which is weird to say out loud, Um, but have been really interested in overall the mental health perspective of physician leadership and physicians in particular, and was actually recruited to a large leadership development consulting firm to customize leadership development and development programs for physicians, and that was um, about nine years ago, 10 years ago now, and since then have been working really hand in hand with physicians to support them in their development and a lot of um, even performance issues of some hot water as we're calling it. Um, And, you know, one of the things that has really come out of that is this awareness of emotional intelligence or lack thereof, which is not just unique to physicians it's something that we all are constantly focusing on or should be focusing on but one of the things that i know we'll be talking about today related to this hot water issue is the lack of awareness or the inter and intrapersonal relationships that we have with ourselves with others and how that impacts our behavior sure right
0: and I think you know some of our creative discussions we've had, and in, in really the intersection, if you will, of of the the human element, right, and the legal side of it, as it relates to physician practice, is just this notion about professional conduct. And, you know, from a legal perspective, you know, the reason we wanted to sort of bring some awareness to our audience is that, like a lot of things, the last person you want to have to call is your lawyer. (laughs) We're all trying to avoid getting to that point in any situation, Um, but particularly with professional conduct. And this is always a little bit of a sort of a, a risky discussion to have because you don't wanna admit you're kind of on that path, um, but it happens. And like our discussion last time about physician burnout, um, you know, not all these things end up in a, in a bad outcome, but there are ways that you can sort of self-assess and just not even get to that position. And I think one of them or a couple of them that we wanna talk about are just two common, I will say, physician issues that we deal with on a legal side um both for the providers physicians themselves and also for the the places that employ them hospitals healthcare practices and different places um, in dealing with the same and that's just you know unprofessional conduct and again uh, just you know to put it all out there we're all human we have bad days um and we've discussed in previous podcasts that you know physicians are running generally a very high stress high risk type of role and, you know, the the stress and anxiety that goes with that is very long-term, and it's just not sustainable if you're not doing some self-care with that. And so a couple things, two paths we want to go down here in this podcast. One is um, dealing with one aspect of unprofessional conduct that we often see, which is sort of this notion of, of physical outbursts, um, kicking things, thr- knocking over a computer on wheels, um, just... A very clear um, outburst that's disruptive and, and affects a lot of either coworkers, colleagues, or even patients, um, and it happens. And, and no one likes to admit it, but it happens. And and this is sort of the ugly side, sometimes the dirty laundry, if you will, of what happens in healthcare. But but it happens, and we we deal with it. And we want you to be aware and educated so you can effectively handle it. The other issue then is just other types of unprofessional conduct, which really more involve verbal interactions, um, sort of berating, disruptive, um, sort of interactions with colleagues, coworkers, patients. Um, that ultimately you know reflect poorly on a physician and so we're going to break this into two parts because I think they have from your perspective really two different areas of focus um, And we're going to talk in this first series about th- this this second issue and that's more the verbal um, kind of outburst um, the discussions and conversations maybe that physicians have that you can see it's bubbling and it's reaching a, a breaking point and then we have a situation that ends up in some type of inappropriate conduct or 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 conversation um, with a colleague or co-worker. So, and I know that before this happens, you deal with physician clients, right? So you talk to physicians who maybe you can see that boiling point rising. So why don't you tell us a little bit of some of your experience with them?
1: Absolutely. So yes, you're right. Most of the time I get them ahead of time, or um, they're so trusting to be able to share with me some of their stories or perhaps some of the stories have been shared with me prior to our connecting. And, you know, one thing that I, I just want to throw out there as, as a caveat to our audience and even just a, a foundation for our conversation today is, um, I'm sure that Nicole would agree with me when I say this, is that we fully recognize that physicians don't intend to have this impact, right? They don't intend to you know, kick a computer over or throw a scalpel or yell at someone in a degrading or demeaning way. But the reality is, is just as Nicole said, is that physicians and a lot of healthcare professionals and healthcare leaders are facing an astronomical level of stress, right? I mean, we it's more than that at this point. And so the situations and the stress that they're faced with is just mounting and is getting higher and higher as the minutes go by. And the reality is, is that physicians, for the most part, haven't really been equipped with this, you know, how do they handle this, right? What are they supposed to do? Um, That was not uh, this awareness of, you know, who you are as an individual and reflecting internally about your emotions and how it impacts your behaviors, how it impacts your relationships, that was not taught in medical school and it's really not that much of a focus unless someone like myself or you know some other consulting firms perhaps are are saying hey this is emotional intelligence and you can learn how to do this and then it often becomes just another list of you know the things that I must learn but the reality is is just being aware is that this is quite frankly a skill, this being emotional intelligence. And without this skill of understanding who you are and how your emotions impact your relationships, impact your behaviors, the reality is, as we come to this point of legal or something in between where I usually become involved, right? Where it's Jen, we have this surgeon that threw a scalpel or Jen, we have this physician who is amazing at RVUs and patient care, but they yell at the nurses, and we have nurses that are crying, and we we can't do this anymore. We don't know what to do. And more than likely, that physician doesn't know what to do either. They're simply responding to the high levels of stress and pulling out whatever coping skills or whatever mechanisms they have in their toolbox to try to make it through that moment. So just that awareness that by no means is this a judgment it's just calling it for what it is is that we're seeing an increase in professionalism issues that then lead to legal implications because the stress is higher than what it's ever been and we're expecting physicians to just figure it out right but why is that the case why do we have this expectation that they should just know how to do all of this well, that's where I am honored to step into the position that I'm in by being an executive coach to physicians and teaching them about emotional intelligence and what does that mean? Right? We're not innately born with EI. Um, it's actually a skill that we have to focus on and we have to grow and build. And just like with anything else, there's knowledge and education and practice that comes with that.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, you have some great skills and, and you've done a whole sort of presentation on this as we've discussed. So there's a couple different elements, but um, why don't you tell us a little bit. So if we're focusing here specifically on some of the sort of verbal interactions that, that put some physicians in hot water, right? What are some of your assessments um, or tool sets or, uh, you know, thoughts that you have for physicians to help them at least become self-aware on, you know, before it gets to that point, some coping skills.
1: Yeah. So there are four kind of common elements of emotional intelligence. um, And I'll just go over those briefly and then we'll focus on two today because we're talking about the verbal implications of uh, of today's topic. So the four areas of emotional intelligence are self-awareness. So this is really tuning into your emotions and understanding how that impacts your performance or in our case today, how that impacts your Um, uh, communication with others, as well as self-management. So this is how you regulate your emotions. And then the social awareness. So tuning into others' emotions, really having empathy, which is very hard to do when you're in the midst of a crisis or you're in the midst of even a traumatic experience. And then finally, social management. So how you are effective or ineffective in your interactions and influencing with other people. So, you know, whenever I think about the two kind of common um, buckets of professionalism, one being the verbal interaction and the other being behavioral, for our focus today of the verbal, you know, the two things that came to mind when we look at this four quadrant um, aspect of EI is self-awareness and social awareness. So um, looking at self-awareness first, the reality is, is that oftentimes if we are not, aware of what emotions are driving our behaviors we just say whatever we want to say right whatever comes out comes out Um, taking that moment to really recognize what am i experiencing what am i feeling in this moment is something that has actually been trained out of physicians and has been encouraged otherwise right been encouraged to not think about the emotions but to simply act and the result then is we see behaviors escalating as stress as situations get higher, that lack of self-awareness, it just gets lower and lower, right? They, they don't understand. We don't understand because we're just moving through the motions. So in order to really avoid some of these verbal outbursts with others, it's first recognizing, why, what am I leading with, right? What emotion is driving this, this statement? Do I even need to be saying this? I mean, there are quite a few things and, and something as simple as taking a breath, right, and identifying what is the purpose of me making this statement. Something as simple as, what's my intention, right, is a simple way to stop before you maybe say something that you don't even mean to say. But it's so easy for the brain to get hijacked, right, for the amygdala to take over, and we just go to a fight or flight. And we see that, the fighting of verbal statements, right, things come out that, When we reflect back to physicians or to individuals and say, did you even realize you said A, B, or C? Oftentimes it's, no, I didn't say that. Yeah, you did. But the brain was responding instead of us taking control of what emotion is driving that verbal response. Does that make
0: sense? Yeah, it does. And one of the things is, as I'm hearing you explain this too, that I think, and this obviously takes practice, right? Nobody just oh, ter- decides one day to turn on self-awareness and and it's magically there. But mm. you know, one of the things, practically speaking, that comes to mind, and and tell me if you coach differently, but. You know almost it's one thing to start training yourself to recognize it but then also maybe thinking is there an outlet you know is there a manager if you're working in an or is there a manager is there a director is there another one that's kind of your speed dial phone a friend right that when you recognize your boiling point is rising that a you recognize it and b you you purposefully and proactively establish an outlet, right? So I'm going to go to the OR manager before I just lose it in this OR right now um, and kind of just start sort of funneling or channeling, right, some of that thought um, into a different direction. Now, obviously, that has to be possible. You have to be able to leave the room and all those things. But to just even be mindful, right, that there is another option. And when you feel yourself getting there, just starting to recognize that and sort of redirecting.
1: And and to piggyback off that, great suggestion and something that I have talked to my clients about as well is that uh, OR is an example. You can't just stop, right? We're fighting for OR time as it is. So we can't just stop and find someone. Sometimes we can, but if you can't, I say, let's use a skill that you're really good at anyways, which is compartmentalizing. So even recognizing this is the emotion that I'm having and I want to respond in this way, but I'm going to set it to the side. And after this operation, after this procedure, then I can go through and actually process what that was, right? What I wanted to do, but not responding is actually something that a lot of physicians are used to, right? So pulling that skill out of something that you're used to doing, instead of keeping it buried down, it's the recognition set to the side if needed, and then come back and figure out what was driving that, what emotion was there. Because... The reality is, is that an emotion only lasts for 90 seconds, and then we have a choice. We always have a choice. So if you can't go to a manager, if you don't have someone that's right there, you can talk about what it is that you're experiencing, recognizing that you just need 90 seconds, and then you can say, what's my choice? And the more practice you have with that of, I just got to roll with this for 90 seconds then that awareness whatever the emotion is whether it's good bad or ugly doesn't matter then we always have a choice and that I've found has been extremely freeing for a lot of my clients to just know that they are actually in control of this but it can feel as if it's not because the amygdala gets hijacked if we allow that emotion to continue
0: right and, and 90 seconds seems like forever it when you're does. in it, it right does. <laughs> but You know, sort of pivoting a little bit to the legal side, and I think the reason why this stuff festers to some degree and and the critical point is, is not just recognizing it, which is a great first step, but also not under... Mining the fact that after the fact you still have to deal with it. Yes. And and I think a lot of stress builds up right over time, and that's what leads to the pressure point, the blow up, whatever. Um, and for physicians, from a legal perspective, you know we handle things on both sides here at Browse with physicians. Um, we get calls from physicians who have been called in by their medical staff, um, peer review committees. Um, you know, medical director, CMO is calling them to say, you know, you were out of line. We have to chat. Um, And this is where it gets a little bit risky for doctors because I think sometimes, you know, as soon as your medical staff privileges, and this is really the core of, of, of what a lot of physicians focus on are in jeopardy of suspension or any type of negative status, right? We get into this whole world of legal reporting. Uh, There are various obligations through the National Practitioner Data Bank uh, that require reporting. Some of them have to do with changes in your medical staff privileges. Uh, There's also just general reports or complaints to the Ohio State Medical Board and the various state medical boards where docs are licensed. Um, And those all generally. Open up a new can of investigation and meetings and this and that. And so, to your point, 90 seconds <laughs> compared to the all a, that. A giant black yes. hole that, that will happen after that. And again, not that all that ends badly, but um, it is definitely worth sort of getting in front of. So, um, those are some of the legal things we deal with. Um, I think they also touch on, and we won't get into all of these today, but really a culture of safety. Um, quality outcomes right if your head's not in the game are you really all in in whatever it is that you're doing so i um, just getting in front of that and recognizing the implications of, of self-control in that you know 90 seconds so i know we talked about that you know some of the things we do here at browse we meet with physicians who are sort of receiving those types of phone calls Uh, We're also helping provider entities, hospitals, physician practice groups sort of proactively work through those investigation proceedings, um, really trying to get to some solution. Um, At the end of the day, no one wants to be in this on either side. And so some of the things we do are, if you are the physician, uh, we can sort of help you navigate that. We've helped prepare, you know, responses to professional conduct letters, um, behavioral contracts. Um, it is a two-way street right and so you've got to you know be mindful of your own position on things but also work to make sure that your license is protected as well so we we've helped both sides um, kind of navigate some of those challenges Uh, there's no textbook case um, and some complaints and and conduct um, is unfounded and that can be you know scary as well but we're here to help I know you're here to help, so there are resources, and I think between both of us, um, when we get clients, you know, either pre incident or post, um, there is light, and and hopefully you don't have to call either one of us. But in, in the event you do, I think it's it's helpful to recognize that there are resources available.
1: Absolutely, and you know, to to provide continued light and hope to all of this is the reality is is we all do have bad days, like you said at the very beginning, and. In, in emotional intelligence, although it can seem a little like hoopty doopty to some people, and like oh, okay, here we go. The reality is, is the research supports it. You know, the research supports that when you have focused on your emotional intelligence, which again is a skill. Right, we're not just born with this. It's something that we can practice, that we can grow. Is that it does impact a lot of the things that physicians deal with on a day to day basis, from teamwork to patient care to stress reduction to reduction in burnout you know so there, there's a lot of, um, of positives to focusing on building your emotional intelligence and all four of those quadrants before we get to this point like you said at the very beginning and even if you do get to that point where you do have some sort of legal implications that are sitting in front of you there's still hope We can still learn this skill and and remembering that a lot of the things, a lot of the cards have been stacked against physicians to integrate, you know, awareness of self and actually respond appropriately and not just a robotic response, but truly understanding who they are from the inside and how that impacts things on the outside. And... The expectation is higher now for physicians than what it's ever been regarding their professionalism, regarding how they engage with team members, regarding how they are getting all their notes done, regarding how they engage with patients, and now we have a pandemic on top of it. I mean, just the expectation is higher and higher, but I think that this is really the time for physicians to reflect inward and say, what do I need? Not what does does the organization need from me or what do my patients need from me, but truly what do I need to continue this moving forward? And I'm not just talking about resilience. I'm not just talking about, you know, self-care. It's really the true recognition of what is it that you've experienced in your life and what is it that you want to continue to experience or not. And there's so many approaches that you can take. And, And myself and many other executive coaches are really here to focus on empowering and equipping physicians so that they can lead from the inside out and it's it's possible
0: good possible is good especially (laughs) in this time so We covered a lot today and we'll uh, do a part two here and kind of pivot a little bit in some of our approach on this, but thank you for listening today. Hopefully you got some helpful feedback for you or a colleague or physician friend that you know of. Uh, Our contact information is available in the footer of our podcast. Uh, You can certainly reach out to Jennifer or myself uh, in either of our respective categories um, if you need assistance or you have questions, Um, but we just want to provide some encouragement and also some guidance with respect to what is probably a pretty common topic These days. Thank you for listening.